Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I am in lovely Southeast DC today. It's like 81 degrees and I'm at the gorgeous, gorgeous day. I'm at the, uh, I'm at the Department of Transportation with, uh, Dan Morgan, who's the chief data officer here at DOT. Uh, Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, this is going to be exciting. We're also using the new podcasting gear, which is which is also a lot of fun. It's fancy. It's fancy. We'll see if it actually if it actually works. You're going to have to post a picture. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to post a picture. Um, so we met a few weeks ago, first time at the Socrata Summit, mm-hmm. um, where you were talking with other chief data officers about about a whole slew of open data efforts um, in the federal government. Um, why don't we start by having you talk a little bit about the open data efforts that you're going through or, or trying to push through here at DOT? Sure. So one thing people always ask me is what kind of open data we have at the department, right? And I think something that's important to understand is what our mission is. It's a little bit different than maybe your local city or state DOT. Mm-hmm. Um, so we operate the national airspace. And so the Federal Aviation Administration is part of us, right? Um, and they that's the reason you can track a plane moving across the sky and see when your loved ones are going to land at the airport, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, that's all open data that they've been providing for years. And we're continuing to look for ways to add value to that data and make it more useful um, as they go through some IT upgrades and pursue uh, upgrades to the air traffic system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also a regulator. So um, people will probably find our regulations in their day-to-days when you hear uh, a car commercial for a uh, for any vehicle that and they talk about their five star safety rating. Yep, right. That's, that's our data. Is, right. Um, if you have a problem with your car uh, and you need to complain about it, we got complaint data from you as well, which we released to the public. Right. Um, and we were doing it before the CFPB was cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and we also have all of the recall information because, of course, for consumer protection, one of the most important things is to make sure that that information is available as broadly as possible. Mm-hmm. So we've been working on making that data available through APIs so that um, folks can find recall information basically anywhere they already exist. Right. There's whole companies out there actually that build recall sites. Companies like We Make It Safer right. uh, and a couple of others that, that I know about that have talked to us about uh, how they're using government data. Um, and of course, recalls happen from all around government. So we've been actually collaborating with sister agencies like the Consumer Product Safety Commission and the FDA and the Food Safety Inspection Service. You would be surprised how many consumer protection missions live around government. Yeah. Um, making that data available programmatically is really key to making sure people understand what's happening uh, and they can take action to keep their family safe. So, so a lot of the data you just talked about was data that I think everyday people want to use yeah. to, like you said, track your, your family as they're flying across the country or learn about, you know, whether your broccoli is safe to eat. Mm-hmm. Do you, what's the uh, slate of data sets that maybe are a little more in depth, require a little more work to sort of parse through and actually do analysis with? What, what does that ecosystem look like? Oh, yeah, there's some really nerdy policy stuff. <laughs> okay. All right, good, um, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you pay your gas tax, yep. um, that that gas tax eventually flows into the Highway Trust Fund, mm-hmm. um, which we pass out about $40 billion a year all across the country uh, to the states to help maintain uh, a safe and efficient roadway system. Mm-hmm. Um, we can debate how well that's working. Mm-hmm. But um, we've got data about the condition of roads all around the country, so... Um, you kind of need to be a civil engineer to approach the highway performance monitoring right, system, right? Right, which covers all the millions of miles of road in the country 
in segments and tells you things about how rough the pavement is um, and those kinds of things. We've got the National Bridge Inventory, which is about 250 data elements wide mm-hmm. and getting bigger because we're going to be adding details, not just about the bridge overall, but about the deck and the substructure and the superstructure and whether there are bicyclist and pedestrian facilities on the bridge. So we got all these data points. There's 700,000 bridges across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you, when you hear the president and the State of the Union say how many bridges are eligible for Medicare, that's our data. <laughs> that's your data, right. Um, <laughs> so we've got that, that kind of stuff, too. It, it's, it's really wonky, slow policy data, right? Yeah. It comes out every year. Um, and building like a time series about that is kind of difficult. Um, so that, that state of the infrastructure kind of data yeah. is in the agency. Uh, we also collect data about um, safety incidents. Okay. We, can, we collect it uh, for aviation, rail, mm-hmm. transit, fatal crashes, not all crashes. Ask me about that later. Okay. Um, <laughs> hazardous material spills in transportation, not all hazmat spills. Um, and uh, pipeline incidents, okay. which may or may not result in the leaking of a chemical. You know, pipeline is transportation, too. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes people Transportation of, of goods. Yes. Yeah. So the analysts who work here, mm-hmm. they are... Well, well, let me ask this. What are the sorts of products or reports or outputs that they're working on, and, and who are they trying to communicate with? So, of course, we're trying to communicate to the public about how well we're doing. So yep. there's lots of aggregate reports. Um, so we tend to fall into a sort of rhythm of if the data moves annually, we'll, re- we'll report an annual sort of number of fatal crashes right. or uh, a rate of fatal crashes. And that requires two data sets to exist. Um, one, how much driving there is. Mm-hmm. And the other one, how many fatal crashes there were. Right. Right. Um, we usually set a performance goal um, at a rate as opposed to just a raw number because, yeah. you know, things are dynamic. Right. Um, so those are generally pr- pretty static products mm-hmm. uh, and simple line charts. Uh, that, that'll give you a feel for what the overall trend nationwide is. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that transportation is a really local phenomenon. Yeah. Um, so it's sometimes difficult to sort of get into our data and build that community picture. Um, and we don't really design a lot of like individual um, communications. Uh, the other people that we're really trying to inform are Congress because they're the ones that are deciding how much we get to spend on making the transportation system safe and efficient for all of you, yep. right? And so there are a lot of state-based products. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll tally statistics, all the statistics we possibly can about a state. There's actually a, a product called State Facts and Figures, um, which is a synthesis of all of those different kinds of data sets that I talked about. How many people are registered to uh, with a driver's license, to how many vehicles are registered in that state, to um, the number of safety incidents that occur, to the miles of road in different kinds of condition, um, to the miles of pipeline and the miles of railroad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so those are sort of good thumbnail products. And yeah. so you know, usually a senator or a, a delegation in the House can look and see how things are going in their communities. But, of course, they're hearing from their constituents. Yeah. Right. They're, they're currently back home back hearing home, from right. their constituents right now. Right. Um, so we generally build these sort of report card kinds of things mm-hmm. that move at the speed of the data that comes to us. Yeah. So, um, and their their perspective is sort of annual or quarterly or yeah. monthly, um, which has its utility, mm-hmm. but it's not always enough, right? Yeah. So you know, 
if you look at your travel patterns, right? Like sometimes there's a lot of really short trips and sometimes there are long trips. Yep. Um, and you don't care about necessarily that one slice of, of transportation safety or transportation infrastructure information just for yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, you care about all of those things at once because that's how you live. So we don't really create sort of that person based sort of exploration Mm -hmm. of, of, of our data sets, right. To sort of build that picture, that integrated picture. Um, we call it a multimodal picture Mm -hmm. of, of transportation, um, facts and figures from your point of view. More from the policy makers. Correct. Or what the policymaker would want. Right. Point of view. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about doing building that ecosystem, I guess, of data where you get to pull that where you can pull all this together to get that person or place based perspective? Well, I've been at it for three years okay. and I'm not done. <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing a great job. Um, some of it is really about unlocking the data. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can, for every data set I just named, mm-hmm. there is a different way that we release that data set, a different time frame, um, a different format, and a so different making it website. easy for everybody. Yeah. So it's super easy to find all of our stuff, right? right. And it, some of it for me is either sort of pushing API access down to the source yep. as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've made some small strides in that. Um, for those of you who care about freight, there are now APIs from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration um, that'll give you a census of, of trucking companies, what levels of insurance they have, what their safety records are, and those kinds of things. Um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the people who make the five-star safety ratings, mm-hmm. uh, is working on APIs as well. Federal Railroad Administration uh, has been tinkering with APIs, and we're looking at our, our Socrata investment mm-hmm. as a way to sort of accelerate that availability, right. um, and then bringing new tools into the department. So we've made uh, a couple of investments in uh, some visualization software uh, like Tableau mm. and, and a couple of others like it. And I should probably say somewhere in here that those are just products we picked based on yep. our, our requirements. There are many other ones out there, and I'm not endorsing anyone. <laughs> That's what we're <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Um, that said... Um, Bringing those tools to our analysts are helping them uncover some things. Yeah. So uh, I would joke that we have some of our national transportation statistics are compiled by bringing spreadsheets from other government agencies into our agency. Sure. And those spreadsheets have errors in them, too. Yeah. Um, and so th- that's more of an artisanal data set, mm-hmm. as I like to call it. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, artisanal data sets are rife with problems. Yeah. Um, and these visualization tools are helping us discover some things that were longstanding issues oh. um, that we're now able to address for the first time because mm-hmm. we're just looking at our data differently and we're aggregating it differently. Right. We're also storing it differently. So a lot of what we release is sort of a presentation-ready data set. Mm-hmm. It's more of an information yeah. kind of basis rather than sort of the way we store it here in the, inside the agency. So my stakeholders are learning to sort of publish data for consumption mm-hmm. and not for presentation. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So that, you know, we can still ensure the we, we can give people some liberal ways to present that data, but still make sure that the, the numbers that are in there um, and the rule sets that we have around those numbers uh, can still maintain some consistency, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, I think, is 
is really the big learning experience that we're going through. Yeah. Um, so when we when we started to bring things like Socrata and Tableau into the agency, people were like, well, I just can't see my data this way that mm. I want to see it. And it's because the data wasn't, and you know, they didn't have data. Yeah. They had information. Right. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of unpivoting and thinking about different storage techniques and sort of thinking more from a programmer right. kind of perspective to the way we disseminate this data. Yeah, which is like a, it's just a culture change for a lot of analysts, yeah. I would assume. Right. Um, so it took a little while to get there. Yeah. But we, we've made really huge strides mm-hmm. in the last three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and having these tools is really driving that change. So it's super exciting to see sort of what, what will happen next. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm very fired up about how we're going to be able to make our data available in new and creative ways yeah. for, for folks like the ones that are listening to this podcast. Right, right. Um, when you open data up, do you worry at all about who is going to be grabbing it and using it and doing some analysis and writing some news report or some other report? Um, but maybe they're not the experts the way the folks here are experts. So they may not fully understand the, the rate versus level is a, is a, is a great yeah. example, right? Like you, we see maps that are like, yeah, that's a, just a population. I put some dots on a map. Right, I put some dots on a map and yay, look at this thing. That's my favorite clinical article. <laughs> um, so do you worry about that? And if so, do you try to put safeguards on the documentation? If so, so how do you, how do you man- try to manage that? I mean, yes and no. Mm-hmm. So I don't let fear, uncertainty, and doubt sort of keep us from releasing data. That's not going to fly here. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is that as an agency, we've been releasing some of these data since the 70s. Yeah. Um, so we kind of have a culture of transparency anyway. Okay. Um, we do worry about misrepresentation and misuse and those kinds of things, but there's always been a human being behind every one of those data sets. Yeah. And we've always listed an email and a phone, you know, well, not always an email, but yeah. contact information yeah. for, for humans. And people take us up on it. Okay. Um, and so on calls with reporters who are like, I'm interested in writing about transit, but before I go use the National Transit Database, which goes back to the 80s, mm-hmm. right? Can you walk me through some things? Yeah. Yeah, sure we can. Right. What are you trying to do? Here's the tables that best suit that, and here's what you need to know about those tables. Right. Um, and people will ask us questions all the time, no matter how much documentation we put out there. So um, in a couple of weeks, we're working uh, with the National Science Foundation, Big Data Hubs, to try to get uh, more of the big data academic community fired up about the increase in roadway fatalities that we've been experiencing the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's up 7% in 2015 over the previous year, and it's up another 7% in 2016 over 2015. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we've lost a decade of progress in two years, yeah. um, and we need to understand why. And I'll come back to that in a second. But the documentation for the census of fatal crashes, which is, a very rich data set about people and vehicles and roadway conditions and all these other kinds of things is 500 pages long in a PDF. Yeah. Because there's that many variables right. and that many code lists and it's just, it's hard to get your arms around right. it. Um, but that it, we have the analytical user's manual. And by the way, there's always a new kind of car or vehicle, if you will. Yeah. Right. So the, the, like a small thing that becomes a big thing electric powered bicycles. 
mm-hmm. right? So you've seen these yep. bicycles out yep. with the, with a motor assist. Is that a bicycle or a moped or a motorcycle? Oh, right. Interesting. Um, I'm going to say no idea. No uh, idea. Some sort of, but com- I got to put a new code in the database for this thing. <laughs> right. And so right. like, cause it's a brand new thing yeah. that's like popular enough that I actually need to make a yeah, code for it. Count and, it up. Right. and, and, if you approached the database and saw a bicycle, I know what image would pop in your head. Yeah. Right. So how do I say bicycle motorized? Right. Um, and how motorized is it? It's a 99, I think. It's usually <laughs> you get a 99, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Um, the other things that are, that are sort of challenging about some of that data set, like it's very difficult to, uh, people are very interested in drugged driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, things like marijuana laws that are happening around the country yeah. um, and potential impacts on roadway safety are a big deal. Right. And uh, different states have different testing rules. Right. And different toxicology parameters. And so you can't just read the value out of the database without understanding why there's missingness mm-hmm. um, and what the protocols for testing in that state are. Yeah. Um, but if you were just trying to grab our data and, and look at it, you'd make the wrong conclusion. Yeah. So hopefully it would look weird enough that somebody would pick up the phone or fire up off an email and ask us a question. Yeah. Right. So uh, there's nothing wrong with exploratory data analysis. Uh, we do our best to explain some of these things, mm-hmm. um, but we can't anticipate every question. No, no, no right. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier that you don't have all the fatal crashes. Not all the crashes. Not all the crashes. You have yes. all the fatal crashes. Yes. So I'm coming back to that. Mm-hmm. So what? So you don't have all accidents. Correct. So this comes back to your, your point about policy versus place. Mm-hmm. So if I want to know what's going on in my small town in Nebraska, let's say, um, I may not know all of the transportation issues. issues right. Yeah, There's right. reporting thresholds for a lot of these things. Right. So we actually don't have like a straight up law that says every state needs to give us their file of fatal crashes. Mm-hmm. It's a cooperative agreement that we've been working for the last 40 plus years mm-hmm. um, in the interest of public safety and public health. Yeah. Um, so fatal crashes were the scourge on our roadways in the 60s was 60,000 people a year. Mm. We got it down to 32,000 people a year with a lot of hard work. Right. Some of that was just seatbelts. Um, but you know, speed and alcohol are still the number one killers on the roads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've made incredible progress over, over that, that long period of time. Cause it turns out social change takes a while. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, I think one of the things that we didn't need that additional sort of non-fatal crash yeah. context um, but we do a sample instead. Mm-hmm. So there's a sample, there's a nationwide sample, and right uh, immediately it requires a level of sophistication to approach this data. Yeah. The results from the sample are out there too. It's called a general estimate system, and we're working through a modernization of that sample because it hadn't been changed in a while, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to become sort of the crash report sampling system, I believe, is its new name. But at any rate, we'll get the full details on a smaller subset of crashes. Different states have different rules about what they're allowed to release mm-hmm. as it relates to crash data. Because they've agreed to give us at least fatal crashes, that stuff flows. Right. Um, states have liability laws that might expose them to risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you had crash data that was out there, it could be used uh, in a court of law to say, you know, you didn't take action quickly enough to, to fix yeah, this to issue on my issue. roadway. Right. Um, and that's why you know, I got injured on this road. Yeah. 
um, just outside DOT, we've, ha- we've got a pretty dangerous intersection mm-hmm. um, at M Street in New Jersey right. uh, that you walked from, I think. Across, yeah. um, yep. So there's, there have been, even in the short time that I've been here in the department, a couple of fatalities uh, on that road. Yeah. Um, so there need to be some things that yeah. happen, but you know you have to prioritize resources and those kinds of things. Sometimes we use the privacy argument. Sometimes we use the liability argument. Yeah. Um, I think you're finding the, the policy driver that's pushing for transparency now is the vision zero efforts, mm-hmm. right? So if people are following the local efforts to eliminate uh, pedestrian and bicyclist fatal crashes in cities all around the country, yeah. um, all of those things are backed by data, right? right. And, the, and community engagement as well. And so there's a transparency emerging in sort of revealing all of that crash data and traffic citations and red light camera violations and roadway conditions, bringing the full picture mm-hmm. and actually talking about it with the community yeah. about what the investments are, what we can do, how we can, how we can work together to make our streets safer, how we work together with law enforcement, who's there not only to prevent crime, but also to prevent traffic violations because traffic violations create risk. Right. So how do we use our resources smarter and work together is a conversation that is now backed by transparency and data. Here in D.C., the Vision Zero website is one of the richest ones out there. Mm-hmm. Chicago's been doing some great stuff. So now we're able to get sort of full crash file data. Right. But, of course, every city doesn't release the same fields and doesn't call everything the same thing. Yeah. The beauty of the census of fatal crashes is uh, we work to normalize terms. So on a police accident report in Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, they'll have all kinds of snow. Blowing snow, <laughs> right? <laughs> Blizzard snow, conditions, right? Icy snow, yeah. Right? Sounds um, familiar. We only care about snow. Right. 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 In Florida, they probably don't have snow on their police yeah. police accident report. It's other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the alligator field, and then there's the other, right? Right. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's sunny, 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 or rainy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody uses different terms and different granularity across the country, and that's good because it meets their local needs. Mm-hmm. It, inhibits national comparability. Yeah. So these new open data things can be aggregated into something cool, but would require a lot of work to make something more uniform for analytical purposes. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's exciting, but hard. Yeah. It's <laughs> the best way I could describe it. Yeah. So that means that someone here has to pull all those data sets together yeah. and... and- So to give you a a sense of the universe of crashes, so there are, I think the number for this year, for last year is going to be somewhere in the 38 to 39,000 fatal crashes Mm -hmm. um, area. Um, The total number of crashes that result in some sort of injury is something like 3 million. Right. Um, So a lot. A lot of, yeah. 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 Right. So you see the end gets really big, really fast. Yeah. Um, Then, then. There's a, a universe of crashes that are not injury related, but still reported to the police. And that's like six ish million. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a bunch of property damage only crashes that don't get reported to anybody but insurance. Right. And sometimes not, not even them. Yep. And that's in the in sort of the 10 to 12 million area, okay. I think. Um, and it's sort of me trying to remember numbers from a pyramid yeah. that I saw in a presentation. But um, <laughs> that. You know, so we're at a place now where that the end was big enough for us to make big policy decisions yeah. 40, 50 years ago. The end is small enough now where we need to 
bring new context to our data sets right. to make smarter policy decisions. Right. Um, and doing that in a way that um, is collaborative and uh, sort of leverages open data is, is I think, the way to do it in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. uh, but finding our way to making that useful, I think, is still kind of a journey. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Um, I want to ask one more question. You've talked, a lot of things we've just been talking about are, are, are things that are happening and, and looking forward into the future of working with data, open data, new tools. I wonder if, if there are uh, technological things that you see on the horizon that are going to make uh, your life easier or harder or the, or the department's life easier or harder when it comes to, I mean, the first thing that obviously pops to mind are driverless cars. I mean, are there, are there things like that that you are all thinking about or working hard on um, to, to look to the horizon of what's what's coming next. Yeah, the data sets that I didn't talk about at all are our research data sets. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and people who love research data or are trying to do secondary research on data, you can see what the future of transportation data looks like today. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to Google the Intelligent Transportation Systems Research Data Exchange, you'll see data sets from connected vehicle deployments that are happening around the country. So the near future of transportation involves vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to infrastructure communications. Mm -hmm. um, we've been working on the message sets for those for some time. Mm. And the data sets that are out there are very rich and also super nerdy, right? <laughs> um, but we've been investing heavily in preserving the data from those deployments and sharing that data so that people can start to see what kinds of applications we can build. Adjunct to that research data exchange is the Open Source Application Development Portal. It has that full name. Um, and you can find some of the applications that are being built off of the data from those connected vehicle deployments mm -hmm. um, and new concepts that are being tested on a regular basis. Yeah. There are active deployments that are going to start sending data to us um, in the next six to nine months. Uh, we've got the connected vehicle pilot in Wyoming, which is about sharing weather data with truckers hmm. uh, because there are a lot of dangerous mountain passes right. and conditions can change in the mountains pretty quickly, yeah, really. yeah. Uh, which is dangerous for a giant big rig running down the road. I used to watch ice road truckers. I don't, yeah. Yeah. So being able to share, like if a truck could talk to another truck to say the wind has picked up in this pass, the, the trucker behind can make some choices. We can get platooning and other kinds of efficiencies mm -hmm. out of these kinds of things. So we're excited about those. The other two um, deployments that are coming online are in Tampa and in New York City. And each one of them has a different sort of application area. The other project that's obviously of interest is the Smart City Challenge winner in mm -hmm. Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I think that uh, it'll probably still be several more months before they start generating data. But uh, I think they're in a good place. And that was designed to be a laboratory environment where people could see the data that was being generated from the connected and automated vehicle deployments um, and start to see what works yeah. and then replicate it, right? So the idea of this being open and available um, is a big deal. Automated vehicles are exciting, and the secretary is reviewing uh, the automated vehicles policy that came out in the last administration. But this is a harder spot. Yeah. Because it's a very pre-competitive environment, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of experimentation happening right now, and people are trying to capitalize on a market. So data sharing it's kind of stymied. Right. 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 Um, and there are 
policy questions around sort of what do I need? Yeah. What do I actually need? Right. Um, and, and we don't know because we don't know what all these things do. Mm -hmm. um, there are frameworks that can exist for data sharing that may maybe involve sort of the creation of a third party that could hold the data in escrow um, and sort of manage access a little bit better. It's difficult because not only is it pre-competitive, but we're also the regulator for that industry. Right. Um, and sharing data with your regulator. Yeah. Kind of frowned upon. Kind of. Well, it's just, it's not, it's not practice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the five star. Well, like you said, in a pre-competitive market. Right. That, right. So that, that changes the, the paradigm of the of whole housing. dynamic. Right. 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 Um, you know, I think we're still working on, you know, conversations about we're not going to compete on safety. Mm -hmm. Right. Like safety is baked in yeah. to these things that are coming online. Right. Um, and I'm not sure that we have uniform agreement on that mm -hmm. um, at this stage of the development of the technology. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of work to do yet. And it's just going to be a national conversation right. about this stuff. But, you know, what it means technologically for us is we're not going to be able to haul that data all around. Mm -hmm. Right. And we are, we're not even going to want to keep all that data uh, forever yeah. uh, when it comes time. So thinking ahead to what the data sharing paradigms look like and how to design a system that is open, replicable, and scalable um, that can cooperate more easily across just even county lines. And, right? and presumably in real time. Right. Right. I mean, I mean that, that's all coming in real time. And that's mm -hmm. huge. Now we're talking about, now we're not worried about annual data right now. Right. We have, now we have huge amounts of data coming in real time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it, it, and it's not all going to come to the federal government. Right. Right. Like, so what is, how do states and, and, and yeah. cities up their game? Yeah. Right. Because are they really prepared for what's coming? The research questions that we're asking about how do we design open source, scalable and replicable architectures that can be picked up and deployed. Yeah. Um, and so that we're in that, that study stage right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's actually, this is probably the most exciting time to be part of transportation yeah. since the invention of the automobile. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't feel strongly about it. No, this. not at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the yeah. data guy is excited about data. Yeah. But what we're able to do and, and how we're able to get it done, I think, really matters. Yeah. Um, so I think there are, some, there, there are going to be some sticky policy questions. That are not going to get away from us. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to think about what we might be able to get from data sharing and how that either fosters safety or consumer adoption or the purpose of data sharing maybe in the AV space is one, for the regulatory purpose, but two, to build consumer confidence, mm -hmm. right? Like some people trust the government still. Right. Some do. Some <laughs> you might do. not know that the five star safety rating comes from NHTSA and the government, but that's okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what five stars means. Yeah. It means safe. Right. And that's all that really matters. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, what, what does that look like in a connected and automated vehicle world? Yeah. I don't think we know quite yet. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, it sounds like you have your work cut out for you. So at least you're in a nice building in, in Southeast and, yeah. and near the, and near the stadium too. So yeah. it's all good. Um, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been interesting and um, a lot of uh, data for people to go play around with. Absolutely. And if people can't find it, you can email me.
Yeah, you can get in touch with Dan, and I'll be sure to put uh, as many links as I can on the show notes and, uh, of course, to the uh, main uh, data portals at, at DOT and some of the other uh, departments. Um, so thanks, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode. If you have questions or comments, please do get in touch on the website or on Twitter or anywhere else. And please do rate and review the show on iTunes. Um, and that's all we have for this week. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>